0: Listen to the Guitar Heroes podcast.
1: Welcome everybody to episode five of the Guitar Heroes podcast. My name is Lee, and I'm joined here today by Mister Phil Walker.
2: Did you just say episode five? Episode five already? It doesn't seem like two minutes since we started this. And Mister Chris
1: Taylor. Anybody else got déjà vu? A <laughs> <laughs> little bit. we didn't just start recording this and then have a technical issue and have to start the whole thing again Mm -hmm. anyway but yes i know what you're saying phil episode five already how have we got here
2: i know it's crazy isn't it 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 doesn't actually feel i mean it's probably five weeks isn't it because we've we've tried to record one per week to to keep it current as well you know we don't want to do loads up front because we'd be behind on the times
1: exactly exactly so for context what is it? it is the 24th of november 2020 today Mm. and uh, mm. we are still coming to you via Zoom because we're still yes. in the lockdown restrictions here in the UK.
2: Um, the day after Boris's speech. Yeah, did you see it? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it was. It, it wasn't all oh, Maybe it was or it wasn't. I don't know. Do what you want.
1: <laughs> I, want his, Boris I want his slogan on a T-shirt. I loved it when he said, uh, "'Tis the season to be jolly. Jolly careful."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I watched um, the, the news in bed last night, uh, BBC News, and and I watched the papers. I like to see what's happening on the papers because I'm mm. too tight to buy one. So the headlines were every, every, almost every headline on the newspaper was that slogan. It's like, oh blimey! So the yeah, picked up on that then. <laughs>
1: and the man says, "Alas, far too much." I've never, I've never met anyone in today's age that says, "Alas, alas, alas." <laughs> you got it like four times into last night's speech, but I guess the general uh the general thing to take away from that is some positivity there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and looks like more good news about that vaccine so i mm. think the uh likelihood of us returning to our real jobs will uh, is looking good
2: it'll be too. really good i think because when we do go back to work probably march april time we we'll, we'll we'll have more vocals on stage won't we what do you mean well, because of the vaccine, we'll have all grown another head, won't we? So that means that we'll have like we'll have two <laughs> vocals each on stage. Six-part harmonies would be awesome. I wonder where you
1: were going with that one.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh,
1: Chris, how are you doing?
0: I'm all right. Not too bad. Actually, a little under the weather. I've been a little ill the last couple of days. Not COVID-related. Oh, no, don't just, say it. Um, don't say it. It's not. Just, uh, just a little cold. Nothing. Men too do too not
2: hard. have little colds. Oh, no, you must be really ill, mate, my sympathies. Do you need an ambulance?
0: I'll let you know, mate, but, uh, yeah, I've got it on speed dial just in case.
2: <laughs> Excellent. So glad we're doing this via Zoom, then. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay, but, yeah, so... Not, um,
0: not too bad at all, so... Um, good. So, um, I was listening
1: back to last week's episode, actually, and I think we're getting better at the whole um, allowing Chris his time.
2: I think we're getting better, Phil. I think he had too much time last time, to be honest. I oh, mean, okay. I, d- no, I'm I think,
0: I, think about, I mentioned yes. this before, but uh, I'm an observer. Like, so as we're doing this podcast, I'm just watching you guys thinking, this is a great episode. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> 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 and then I just have well, to remind myself I'm actually in this. Come on, Chris, speak up. <laughs> 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 okay, right. so uh,
1: theme for today. Yes. My girlfriend was listening to Desert Island Discs the other day. She just recently discovered it. She'd never listened to it before. And she said, this is amazing. It's a, what a cool concept. And obviously Desert Island Discs is a, uh, almost an institute in itself now, a, a platform of British broadcasting that is known all around the world. And I said, you know what? That is a cracking idea. We could do that. It, it fits what we're doing really nicely. And we're going to adapt it and make it suitable for our guitar podcast. So I texted you guys a couple of days ago and you said, did. guys, how about this? Let's make this a recurring episode that we come round to, say, once a month. Let's face it, there's so much good guitar music to discuss that we would just be biting off more than we can chew in one episode. So I reckon we're going to focus in on specific decades, okay? So we're the castaways, and I said to you guys, each of us have to pick two tracks that we feel were significant to both our personal development, but also the development of the guitar and of rock and roll. And it makes sense, obviously, this week to start in the 50s, the birth of rock and roll as we know it. 1950, you got Leo Fender coming out with the Fender Esquire, and then there was the Nocaster and the Telecaster. Really, from then, everything Mm. changed. And
2: don't forget, it probably wouldn't have come anywhere to that standard if if Les Paul hadn't uh, produced his log. Les Paul and his log, yes. yeah, Yeah, Indeed, indeed, yeah, way back, way back.
1: So, yeah, the, these, these developments, you know, the electric pickup, the solid body guitar, they really took music out of the acoustic world and the, I guess, before that, we were very much based in the sort of blues and R&B. And that's, I think, where everything comes from, certainly guitar mm. related. But, um, yeah. Well, Robert th- Johnson
2: and he's uh, you know, the old slide, you know, on the acoustic guitar. And
1: yeah, selling his soul down at the exactly. crossroads. Love that yeah, story. I
2: feel like I've done that with this podcast, to be honest. But <laughs> Hey-ho. <laughs> 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 anyway yes
1: the 50s that is our theme for today we are all armed with our guitars i'm sat here holding a telecaster phil you've got your Gretsch. chris yep. you've got your Strat. and hopefully we've all picked a couple of things from the 50s to talk about here what
2: should we call it desert island riffs desert island licks I like riffs, yeah, Desert Island riffs. Desert Island yeah, yeah, riffs, yeah. yeah, I like that. So, But we just thought we'd say as well that um, none of us know who each other have picked. So if we've all picked the same person, this podcast is going to be over within two minutes. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. We deliberately didn't tell each other for that
1: reason. I think if we've picked the same song or the same person, then it just confirms that they're clearly worthy of a nomination on Desert Island yeah. Discs. But also yeah. it's yeah. interesting
0: just to see if if one of us have chosen the same song. The story behind why we've chosen that might be a little different and maybe a little interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good
1: point. Good point, Chris. So, who's going to
0: go first? Chris? Yeah, okay. it makes sense. Let's do it. Over to Chris. Okay. Well, I'm not going to jump into Chris's corner just yet. I'm going to save that for a little later on.
2: Oh, um, so this time you are going to have some foreplay.
0: This time around, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> before, before last, last
2: t- time, no foreplay You Chris Chris's corner, we jump straight is, in. You ripped oh, and and just, technical <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, Chris got into the de- the, de- the debate without anything, <laughs> <laughs> just bare back and dry. You straight in there. Nice, I like it. Uh, <sighs> I'll shut up now, Chris. Sorry, I just <laughs> need a minute of composure. One minute, um,
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Phil. How much Tia Maria have you got in that coffee today?
2: Oh mate, I've got quite a, I've got a double cup today, and I've had two of these <laughs> this morning. So, yeah, <laughs> I see actually you're not hungover by lunchtime.
1: Actually, I see you're not in your dressing gown. So, can we assume that everything went okay last week? Listeners of last episode would have heard that ah. Phil was actually going into hospital last week.
2: I, I was okay. Yes, um, it was a horrendous procedure uh, mm. by all accounts. I was I was out of it, which was nice. Um, and then, yeah, to make things just even more interesting, yesterday I had to go in and have a tooth rebuilt. <laughs> So <laughs> oh, what? Like, so do, do, with the team here and all the um, the drugs and anaesthetics and things that I'm having <laughs> at the minute, I'm uh, I don't even know what planet I'm on. Hey, <laughs> what day is it?
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, we've interrupted Chris again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should haven't. be
2: Chris's <laughs> corner because that's when we know me and Lee have to shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do
2: you want to yeah, play that love... card yet, Chris?
0: Nah, not yet. No, I'm going to save that it. one. I think. Save it. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: He's going to need to. Okay, Chris. Over to you. Yeah. Okay,
0: so uh, as I already mentioned, uh, I. In previous podcasts, anyway, I, I grew up with uh, the likes of Who, uh, The Who, Pink Floyd, you know, guys from uh, an artist from the 60s and 70s onwards. So yeah. we didn't really have much of the 50s kind of playing in our house at the time. Um, so my, uh, uh, my connection to the 50s is a, a little more indirect, I would say. Um, uh, but the artist I'm going to choose, the first artist of two, is Buddy Holly uh, with the song Every Day from 1958 off the album Buddy Holly. Um, nice. now uh the the version i have th- the first version i heard of this uh was from james taylor the uh, american folk singer songwriter uh, and his version was released in 85 of the album that's why i'm here so anyone listening grab two albums grab both of those albums i'm sure you can find them on youtube and you can hear a bit of a difference in fact i could probably play you the difference between the two um uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I love James Taylor and I, I love the way he approaches the guitar. Uh, doesn't really think too much about what he's playing. It's just kind of led with his ear. It's very mm. melodic. And um, so every time I hear this song, actually, I'm it's very nostalgic for me. It takes me back to being a kid and listening to this record on vinyl. Um, mm. So yeah, and I, I think from there, I kind of gone in and listened to a little bit more of Buddy Holly um, and uh, kind of appreciated more more of his songs and really love it now. I think it's great. His guitar playing is, you know, it's definitely at times pushing boundaries with uh certain songs. I'm not gonna mention any other songs in case you guys have somebody hollier on your list. Okay. Um, <laughs> um but um but if I maybe I could play a bit of guitar, do you think that would yeah. be okay? Go for it. Yeah um, of course so it's a a guitar. Player. I'm on, on my strat it. today going through a Fender twin deluxe or tweed deluxe thing. So uh, a a fifties model. Bit spring reverb, here we go.
2: Um, i'm I'm just i'm just looking at our thing on the zoom here and uh, if we're gonna get really really technical and you know what a pain in the we should put a bleep there i can be at times but i've just noticed you've got your pickup selector in the out of phasey type thing oh
0: phil nerd points nerd Nerd points. Um, (laughs) this is is great because before i sipped on my coffee i was just about to ask you phil um, because I know you're you're really in the know with this. You grew up in the 30s, right? So um. I was born in I was
2: born in 1918. <laughs> so um, he's done so, you. So, what what it says who so said to the other day? You were born. Where were you born? The 80s? I went no 70s. No, he says I meant 1880s. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was going to say, Buddy Holly usually played in the middle position. The middle position. There we go. I was just um, about to well, ask you.
0: So,
1: well, come on, finish that. Y- you've you've started the nerd point, but finish it. Why would he play the middle position and oh, not well and not the outer phase position? Well,
2: there wasn't an of
0: phase position in the fifties. Exactly.
2: I, 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 <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't. There wasn't. But it was kind of known that um, the 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 neck position was like for rhythm. Uh, yeah. the, the bridge was lead because it used to take your head off. And and the middle position, I think, was kind of like an in between ground. Um, yeah. But I wasn't, a, you know, I never met Buddy Holly back then. So, you know, he may, might have had his own reasons. But he, I don't know if you've noticed there's old pictures of Buddy Holly with his strat. And he's actually got part of the um, pickup cover missing because I think he used to hit it so hard that, that it's actually, if you, if you, if everyone's going to start diving online now on the Google machines. <laughs> and, and if you look the at the, uh, the pickup on some of the old. You'll see. you'll see part of it missing. Look at the old pictures of Buddy Holly's guitar. Anyway, sorry. I'm going Go to do that. But no, that's a good point because the
1: the out of phase positions wouldn't have been around at that point. So no, people they, only they, started to get them by sort of lock, kind you of could just you about not balancing the three way. Yeah, yeah. it was right, probably yeah. an accident. It was a
2: complete yeah. accident, and they went, yeah, "Oh, yeah. what's this sound?" Yeah, but it's amazing
0: the the sound difference. I mean, like uh, I love the out of phase positions more so than the the three main.
2: Well, well, that's a right strat cut. isn't it it's yeah. y- you know you put it in an out of phase position I although mean, it's not technically out of phase is it but everyone says it is but it's the out of phase type position and people it's a strat yes. straight away isn't it yeah
0: yeah yeah so i'm in the middle position now
2: that's cool. why is that chris no we've done that <laughs> <laughs> we're just in a loop here
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah every day i mean it's only based on uh three chords um uh, there is a capo on this um to play authentically he uses open chords on this um, I'm not going to attempt to sing it because I don't really know the words on this song oh um, go on do you want me to sing something like that
1: yeah
0: um, hey. <laughs> well done Chris yeah, but the uh, James Taylor version is very interesting. Like, um, it's nothing like that. Well, the, the vocal melody is very similar. Uh, but, um, but he has this, uh, let me see if I can play it. Um, a key higher as well, I must mention. Sounds like James Taylor instantly. I love exactly. it. Exactly. This lovely intro, these lovely chords. Mm. And then uh, the chords are, uh, what's it? Every day getting closer go when faster than a rollercoaster of a love like yours would surely come my way so it sounds very similar to the uh, the original vocal melody wise i'm filling chords... up here, chris
2: <laughs> chris that was <laughs> oh, that was that <laughs> was beautiful i'm filling up thank I'm you really very nice. much <laughs> um, no but not yeah, with the tears qu- i need to pee <laughs> 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 but the course, know, I've, you know, nice. the, the I've
1: not actually heard that version i i love james taylor so i feel a little bit ashamed of myself that i've
0: not i've not discovered that i've never heard it i thought I'd yeah i mean this this song has been covered by so many guys um like john denver lo- load of load of famous guys have covered this song but james taylor's one is the one i know anyway this is the first time i heard it i actually thought it was a james taylor song just anytime he covers anything it just sounds like him like you mentioned lee He's just instantly sounds like James yeah. Taylor, you know. He puts his thing onto it and, yeah, really made it his own. So I thought for a long time this was James Taylor's song, but as you kind of dig into... Um, I actually did a dissertation on James Taylor for my, um, my degree.
2: Wow. Uh, and Most people did it on yeah. Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen, and you chose James Taylor, which I think... Yeah. For, for the people who, uh, who did the Mark dissertations, and thing, I don't know, I never went to college or anything. But I suspect I it was quite a pleasant change. Yeah, I think so. I did a a performance tied in with this and this was one of the songs. Um,
0: uh, But yeah, like uh, it's just, yeah, he has his identity with his song like any other song he covers. Um, But as you're researching these songs, I kind of then came across Buddy Holly. I I always knew of Buddy Holly. Anyways, you're learning, studying music. Mm. You're aware of these guys, but then really kind of started looking more into his music and um, yeah.
1: Well, he's definitely an icon, isn't he? Buddy Holly is is up there as one of the first, one of the OGs, yeah. the original electric guitar icons, those he's a guitar black and white hero. Badges. He is. He yeah. really
2: is. I mean, I know in um, in the show I used to get some quite aggressive emails and aggressive people at the end of the night when we didn't do Buddy Holly. They'd go, why ain't Buddy Holly in? Buddy Holly is a guitar hero. Well, you know, he started it all. I'm going, oh, right, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. they absolutely right. Obviously, we can't do everybody in the show, but, yeah, the right. Buddy Holly should and has not the right to be in there. Definitely. And do
1: you think that um, he, was, he was sort of thrust even further into that iconic stardom because of his tragic death? You know, obviously, mm. I, I think um. there's something to be said for great artists and pioneers who die too young. And it almost then stamps them into the hall of fame because you just sit and wonder, like, what would he have gone on to do? We'll never know.
0: I suppose there there is that element to it. I think uh, you had the uh, artist like Eva Cassidy, who I'm a big fan of, but you know yeah. she only became famous after you know she passed away.
2: Yeah, that's thanks to Bob Harris. Mm. He was good at discovering people, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But you know, just all the—I mean, the
2: list is
1: endless, isn't it? The Kurt Cobains, Jimi Hendrix. But I always just think, what would they have gone on to do if they were around? You know, into their forties, fifties, sixties. You know, what would Hendrix be like as an old man? What would he be doing? it's Mm. um hmm. anyway
2: actually i think uh buddy holly would have if he hadn't have tragically died earlier i I do think buddy holly would have uh would have carried on uh i mean look look at paul mccartney paul mccartney's still doing it
1: so prime example Um, when you've got people from that era that are still around today and have put out loads mm. of other great material and are still doing it it feels almost like it's even even more of a loss i think because not only have you lost that person but you've lost all the years that they could have given us I think about mm. Stevie Ray and I think what could have Stevie gone on to do what music would we be listening to now from Stevie were he still here. Yeah. Anyway, tangent there, sorry chaps.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good. Well, well, do you know I feel like that's a good link for me to jump in here. Go um, for it, mate. When you're talking about uh, guitar heroes or guitarists from the 50s that were that were tragically taken in accidents um mm. and and the my probably one of the biggest reasons I started playing guitar was Mr. Eddie Cochran, uh, hen- hence the Orange Gretsch that I own. Um, I'm a big, big Eddie Cochran fan, and he, um, he actually died in a car accident um, in his early 20s in England. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think oh. Eddie Cochran had so many singles out, and so, you know, th- there's albums galore from Eddie Cochran and so many songs, um, and he was, you know, he was, I think he was like 21 when he went. It, wow i didn't know incredible. that incredible yeah the amount that. of stuff he had out you know before most people's careers even start mm. you know and he's yeah i'm big big eddie cochran fan um and uh is and there a is
1: there a particular song or can you play us a little bit of eddie cochran
2: well yeah there's 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 a few um i was funny i was i was i was just listening to one and uh this is probably one of the first things I actually learned because I, I found it quite easy at the time. It's, it's something else, is mm. the song. And it exactly goes. So, so when you're first playing guitar, it's easy. You can just go. <laughs> you go, oh, I can play that song now. <laughs> 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 But it was close enough at the time, you know? Um, yeah. And I really love Eddie's um, solos as well. He, a, lot of the time, a lot of his songs are like uh, mm. Three Steps to Heaven. <laughs> you, know, you, got, you got that type of thing in a lot of his songs and Summertime Blues didn't have a solo. But when he does do a solo, uh, for example, 20 Flight Rock, he really lets rip. He really mm. does. So, I'll, I'll just quick example. He goes... <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah. back in the day, that must have that must have been, you know, incredible to watch. Really, must. I definitely. think uh,
0: that's the thing. The iconic part of fifties rock and roll lead guitar is that double stop thing. You know that
2: that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, definitely. that kind of thing
0: for me is like I hear
2: that and go, ah, that's fifties. That is that's from the fifties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And did you know that? Um, most rock and rollers from the 50s in their bands, they had uh, upright bass players. And I think Eddie Cochran was one of the few that had um, a, a standard electric bass player, used an old precision bass. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of how they got a lot of uh, It's quite a different sound as well. For example, summertime blues. Mm. A and when they're playing it on the bass, it's quite a picky, sight. You know, to it yeah. on this, but uh, you know, and that was a different sound again. So I should imagine it was a really sort of modern sound. You know, for every modern fifties sound rather than the upright basses.
1: Definitely, and I think that iconic sound of the tremolo, the Bigsby, as well on his Gretsch. That is such oh. a. You know yeah. ha- what? What did that influence? What you know, the Shadows probably after that, and then moving well, all the did, way forward. Dwayne Eddy and the other uh, Dwayne old- Eddy.
2: just great isn't it
0: it's such an <laughs> iconic guitar sound isn't it it is it really is yeah. and re- relating to the previous podcast you know van halen with the floyd rose mm. you know, yeah that's yeah just more more of an extreme version of that but obviously it kind of started with those bigs Bs mm. and um yeah it's, it's such a great sound i love it i love that, song.
2: God, I love it, that it, it's great it's great yeah yeah no yeah so eddie cochran is my big uh eddie cochran my big one there yeah, yeah.
1: certainly worthy of a nomination so It probably comes as no surprise. My first nomination. Can you guess who it is? Let me think. How about
2: if I do this? Marty McFly.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, actually, that's a really good point. That ties nicely into what I was going to say. Of course, it is the legend, Chuck Berry. Yeah. The godfather of rock and roll. And arguably the first like real guitar rock and roll hero. He had an edge Mm. and he had an energy that just I don't think was seen at all at the time. But Mm. my introduction to it did come from Back to the Future. When I was a kid, probably like 10 years old, watching Back to the Future. That iconic scene, Marty McFly at the school dance, 1955 with uh, a Gibson ES-345. And who knows the nerdy fact about that guitar? Yeah, that guitar wasn't made yet. Correct, correct.
0: (laughs) Phil's winning nerd points today.
2: Oh, you want nerds? I can be a nerd. You carry on here. Yeah, that scene. um,
0: He goes, "What is it?" He says, "Hey guys, this is in B flat. Try and keep up." He says, "This is a blues uh,
1: jam in B. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up." (laughs) There we go. That's the one. But
2: I think on the on, on Back to the Future, they actually play it in A. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's in the original
1: key, is it? But I'm sure, I mean, it's it's almost, it's one of those things that you just hear in guitar circles all the time, that that scene and, and those movies, the Back to the Future movies, are the reason mm. many people actually picked up the guitar. Like you were saying, Phil, with Eddie Cochran. I think mm. your influences can come from anywhere. And I was just absolutely, I still am, massive fan of those films. And that scene... I think the thing was, it's still t- to this day for me, one of the most convincing performances of a of a kind of music scene. I hate it when you get an actor that can't play an instrument and you can see as a guitarist, mm. you're looking at their fingers and you're looking at stuff and you can just see that they're not really into it. But Michael he J. Actually Fox, plays guitar. He, actually he, plays. he does play guitar and he I think he went on in an interview somewhere saying that he really wanted to bring the energy of his of his favorite guitar players. So he had like the Pete Townsend, you know, the the windmill. <laughs> and the, and the, he had the Jimi Hendrix behind the head, like moving the guitar around. And it's just such a cool yeah. scene. I was like, I want to do that. And I think pretty much since my first gig, I've been playing Johnny B. Good. I, think it, I, don't, I don't think I've ever done like a covers gig where Johnny B. Good is not in the set. I think I've played it more song? times
0: than Chuck Berry. Actually, thinking about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, 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 it was it was written in I believe it was written in 1955, um, right. and it was recorded in 1958. And so when you listen to it and you think how much we've got from it, the whole you know the status quo, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that is just it's just got an energy, and I think that for me is the reason why I've I've nominated it a because it's one of the most instantly recognisable and iconic guitar riffs, that opening. But the whole thing, the energy of the song, for me, kind of represents the energy of rock and roll. And I think Chuck had that, that attitude to him. He, he came out of a scene that was maybe a little bit more kind of nicey-nicey and docile. Like You look at Buddy Holly, definitely an icon and definitely a pioneer. But mm. the way in which he was presented was a little bit more straight edge whereas chuck came out and he had that kind of cheeky chappy you're not quite sure what he's gonna do and the the performance side of him with that energy and the, the way he would move around i mean yeah he no doubt he has influenced all of those 70s heroes and 60s heroes that we
2: you know we love as well just the, the performance side of it And also, he must have been well up against it as well, because I mean, predominantly, rock and roll was was white people, and you know, then you got this black guitar player, you know, playing rock and roll, and he, he, you know, he must have had all sorts of battles going on, you know, to 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 get where he was and do what he did. Definitely, the story, isn't it? It It was um,
0: black black artists writing these songs, but um, kind of white musicians like Elvis taking them and re-recording them, and. And um, mm-hmm. um, you know, making uh, gaining popularity over songs that don't belong to them. I don't, you know, regarding Elvis, I'm not sure if he actually wrote any songs.
2: Did he? Um, I, I don't know actually. I'm, I'm, I'm not, sure. I'm not, I'm actually, not sure. I like Elvis, but I'm not a fan, you know. But I don't know, no, no. but I do have an interesting fact about um, Johnny Be Good uh, mm. and, and might more nerd points here. I think. Go on. Um, but the, at the end, on the original recording, mm. um, when he's singing, go. Go Johnny Go. It, it's, it goes. It, it, it's out of time. It's out of sync with the band. Right. And apparently, I don't know how true this is. Maybe people can, you know, maybe write. But I've heard that um, they had one chance to record this song, and mm. I don't know whether it was Chuck Berry or the band that cocked up at the end. And Chuck Berry was was on the offbeat, and and that's what you hear now. If you if you like, you know, in, in a disco or anything like that, and, and you then to play it. You know, most people they don't know how to dance at that. Now. <laughs> at the end in of it, go, in a disco. <laughs> in a disco. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was born in nineteen what well, <laughs> eight, yeah, yeah. So no, but um, what are they called? Are they not discos? What are they? Discotheque. Nightclubs,
1: right? but I don't think nightclubs are playing Johnny B. Good. If they are, are they I want to know where oh, they, they, they long are. Long I, I, <laughs> I <laughs> want to go. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of nightclub. <laughs> so that shows how
2: last so time I went to a nightclub, then or a discotheque. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really funny because you see people dancing. They don't know whether to dance to Chuck Berry's vocal or, or the... Ba- it goes a little uh, bit weird at yeah. the end, yeah. Okay,
1: but okay. But yeah, I think it's up there. I think it's ranked as like number five on the 100 greatest... I think it was Rolling Stone or something. 100 greatest songs of all time. And it's just, it's just something about it. He hit the nail on the head with the, the rhythm, the flow of it, the energy, the performance, the, the go, go in the choruses. Mm. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows. So I, I love
0: the bits, the call and response from the vocals to the guitar. Yeah, man. You know, you've got the, uh, <coughs> is it in B? Uh, the song? Uh, it's in B flat, I believe, yeah. Uh, B flat. Those bits. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, go, go. And then he's got the uh, guitar bits that are responding. And that's a very uh, blues-orientated thing, which, you know, happened back in the day with... Um, uh, the cotton plantation fields and yeah. call and response is a big thing of blues, but obviously he's brought that to the to the masses, I suppose in a in a more accessible. Well, some of it's,
1: and some of it's actually quite tricky to get that. <coughs> there's little bits that he does that to get it just right, and even just that <coughs> you hear people play that wrong so many times. It's
3: the, the cartoon. You know, there's little
1: little bits in there. It was recorded on, um, I think it was an ES 350. That's what he was using, his Gibson ES 350. But I think there's some debate as to whether it was humbuckers or P90s on that song.
2: Well, he, he did play. Um, he played a, a big Gibson hollow as well. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what it was. Yeah, that's the uh, one. The that's, the that that's the 350. Is that the, the 350? Is that the one? 350. Yeah, yeah, right. The big blonde yeah. thing. That's the one.
1: But uh, so, yeah, recorded in uh, 1958, written in 1955, and it's slightly autobiographical as well. You can hear the story, although interesting facts. I I did a bit of research and was just looking into this, and it was the idea of that grassroots musician, you know, the, the blue collar working musician rising to fame and Someday soon his name will be in light, saying Johnny Be Good tonight. Mm. And Johnny Be Good became a bit of a character in Chuck's songs. And actually, there's references to a Mr. Good or Be Good or Lady Good <laughs> in some of the other songs. But um, I don't know that it was 100% true because if you look into Chuck's history, he didn't necessarily come from that working class background, although he was actually born on Good Avenue, spelt the oh, same yeah. way G O O D E, Good Avenue. But he actually had a degree, and he had a degree. This is the internet has told me this, so I do hope it's right. But he had a degree in hairdressing, oh. <laughs> and and like cosmetics, that was his thing.
2: Well, he always so, did have quite a slick hairdo, didn't he? He did he have did. a good barnet, didn't That's he? Part of his image, mm. wasn't
1: he? Yeah, um, but, but yeah. Great song, anyway, I, great song. I, I think just absolutely iconic for me. The whole Back to the Future thing, So I got so much influence from Back to the Future. And like I say, I've been gigging this song for years. I think the energy that Chuck brings to the stage, I think we all owe a debt to Chuck. If you're a rock and roll musician, you know. Oh, another nerdy fact as well. And I only found this out when I was looking into it. He did like to reuse some of his licks. And if you listen to the best of Chuck Berry, you you tend to hear this. You hear that quite a few times. (laughs) But actually... It is thought that maybe he got that from somewhere else, and there's a song by a chap called Louis Jordan, and it's called "Ain't That Just Like a Woman," and I think that mm-hmm. was from the mid '40s, and it's a piano song, kind of a boogie woogie thing. If you l- check that out, have a listen to the opening riff, and hmm, I'll so leave it, it turns up to you. out
2: Lee was born a year before me in 1916.
1: <laughs> 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 anyway, there you go. That's my nomination: the legend Chuck Berry. Excellent, excellent.
0: You're listening to the Guitar Heroes podcast. Over to Chris for the next one. Well, actually, this ties in quite well to yours, Lee, because uh, like yourself, I was a big fan of Back to the Future, and I don't even know why that, that didn't compute with me when I was thinking of songs from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was a big one for me, a big influence, and you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the reason I picked up the guitar, um, but, uh, but definitely, I, I re those films at Christmas time, especially, and uh I've yeah, got I have box the say set have oh, me too. And I, I have the I have the same feelings towards it every time. It's such a great, great movie. Well put together. The soundtrack is incredible. And that scene with Johnny good, it obviously it revisits again later on it does. It in parts mm. one and two. And it's so clever. It's like, so good. Absolutely it is so amazing. good.
1: And there's so many music and gu- guitar references in those films as well, isn't there? You've got the oh, yeah. three, four, five that he plays on stage. I love his little Ibanez. You know, when he's, you know, we're the pinheads. And, um... <laughs> you know yeah. uh well, what are they, who are they playing for oh Huey Lewis yeah. Huey Lewis is the judge yeah. of the school band isn't he? and he's got that black Ibanez with the red strap I had it's a red the Road strap. Roadstar, isn't years. it Ibanez yes.
2: Roadstar, I think yes
1: yeah. and then he's got a PRS as well in the future mm. when it goes to you know the 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 world where Biff is the yes Biff is the leader um Biff is the Trump if you <laughs> <laughs> I think that's <laughs> who they were going for with that. <laughs> Biff is the Trump. I think they actually were. I think that's the fact that they, they were in, the Biff character in that part was influenced by Donald Trump. The big tower with mm-hmm. Biff towers mm-hmm. and everything. Anyway, yeah, he's got a blue PRS, what looks like a C-24, because it's got the maple neck. And, you know, he, he's hurt his hand, doesn't he? So he can't really play guitar very well. And he sort of picks it up and they can hear through the door him playing. And it's kind of like...
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: yeah. PRS. Anyway, you were saying, Phil, it's anyway. so awesome.
2: Yeah, I, I actually um, went to the cinema to watch Back to the Future Part 1. Wow. Yeah. Lucky you. Yeah, it was amazing. It was in... It was in. Um, How old were you think, then, oh, Phil? Were you like 45 when that came out? Um, I was about 63, I think, <laughs> when that film came out. <laughs> no, I <it> was 10. <laughs> it was 1985 when it came out, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. So, yeah, that made me 10, yeah.
1: Well actually I've been to the cinema to see it as well because about 10 years ago they reissued it. They he did, did this I thing. went and saw it. It went, was so good. it was, it it was, was so amazing.
0: Weird. Like yeah me and, me and my wife Amy are, are massive fans of the 80s music and films and we went but she, I, she came after a uh, shift at work and fell asleep for the whole thing. I was like what? this is a yeah. one time one time opportunity to see this film at the cinema <laughs> you know in our <laughs> lifetime having a connection to the '50s artist through movies is is kind of be my next my next song, okay. Um, in that vein, um, so this song actually uh, probably a little different, probably a little unexpected is um, Brenda Lee's "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." Oh, nice. Now, uh, oh. as 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 a kid, I loved Home Alone, um, especially the first one, and uh, you got the scene where you know he's at home, the parents are away, and he's got all these um, these cardboard cutouts moving around the room, and there's that song "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree" playing. Mm. and i loved the guitar part at the beginning like uh, as a kid i was like god oh, that was so iconic for me i, I just I absolutely loved it and um i'm not sure if i could play it. i've gigged this song a few times especially you know doing a lot of functions you do a lot of christmas gigs and mm. um let's see uh. Uh. All right. I'm gonna start this one again. <laughs> you can cut that. Yeah, I can cut that. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. No, let's start that one again. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm using all this.
2: To be like fair, that.
1: what watching you play that? There's some
0: tricky little bits in there. It's i it, I love the sound on that on that record. It's that real jazzy. Mm. Yeah, players. well, the, the guitar player is um, a guy called Hank Garland. Now, back in the day, he was actually a uh, country jazz blues guitarist, and he was actually part of like the Nashville A-Team. He was like the sideman to guys like Bobby Elms, who uh, released a song Gin- Jingle Bell Rock in 57. Um, he was also a sideman to the Everly Brothers and Elvis Presley too. So he was, um, you know, a huge guitarist at the time. Like, nice. um, Wow. Uh, wow. So, yeah, a bit of history. Did he, pull, did yeah? he play on Jingle Bell Rock? Yes, he, he did the, the guitar part at the beginning. Ah, now it you say it. You can actually hear there's such you similarity. You can hear it. You could almost yeah? put that, that little lick at the beginning in Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle c- exactly. Bell. But it's, uh, but it's um, amazing the jump you have to do, like uh, the chords. I'm, I'm not even sure if he, <coughs> he doesn't play these chords here. I'm just trying to give a reference. But mm-hmm. he basically just drops in on here. But uh, but live when I'm in a trio sense, you know, in a function band, I got to yeah. play, <coughs> got to jump from up and down. It's a bit of a gymnastic effort that is. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling Christmassy uh, already. I know so that's yeah. why I got my uh, my beverage today with um, um like a maple syrup, I think, isn't that today?
1: So, uh, oh nice! I just put brandy right. in mine. That always gets me in the mood.
0: Yeah, I can't Excellent do tea and Maria hands. anymore from being at fields. So just severe <laughs> indigestion <laughs> for me. And I've had yeah, four you mince you pies for breakfast.
2: That. Do you know, I, 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 you're actually getting me in the Christmas spirit now. it's getting Lots of people are getting the Christmas trimmings out. I think I might get my ball balls out this afternoon. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> Take a picture for so, Instagram, yeah. please. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my song anyway, from 1958, that record. Um, and I, I, that, it was the B-side of uh, an album. I, I don't know the name of the album. I should look that up. I know it was on a B-side, um, released in 58. So the guitarist is... Um, Hank Garland. So any of those who want to go and check him out. Yeah, very well respected guitar player and played a big uh, semi hollow, a bit like the one you've got there, Phil. Um, I Mm. think his was a Gibson. Yeah, big semi hollow thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's
1: a really good that's a really good nomination, actually, because I I love that song and it's so ingrained in us, isn't it? You you can't
0: avoid those Christmas songs, but I just didn't even think about that at all. That's really cool. Yeah, well, well I as we get bit. as we're getting closer to Christmas as well. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure in terms of pushing boundaries with the guitar, inspiring anyone. I, I I'm not sure if he really did much. Um, uh, but you know, the, the stuff he's playing up here, the high register of the guitar neck is, um, you know, it's not easy to do. Um, it's very intricate. The frets are quite small. Um, so in itself, at that time, I suppose you know, it's quite. Um,
1: I think uh, it's, it's come worthy up with of a nomination. I think any any is. piece of guitar playing that stands the test of time like that has and is still being played every year, that's mm-hmm. that's that's enough,
0: you know. That's enough and for And he me. wrote that, you know. Absolutely. For me he's, you know, the originator of it. So um so yeah, there's me. Um so on to Mr. Walker.
2: Okay, I've got a bit of a curveball here, boys. Oh, here of we go. A curveball for you. Wait, let um, me just have a
0: sip of my coffee, one minute.
2: Okay. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, so my my curveball is Brian Setzer. Okay, uh, so not not from the fifties, obviously, but this guy basically lives in the fifties, and um, and he's 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 taken sort of fifties. Music and, and and made I would say made it modern, but he's he's brought it more today. I would say um, a big Brian Setzer fan, and Brian Setzer is a big big Eddie Cochran fan, and I think the film was La Bamba about the Ritchie uh, Van story, and. Um, I think they used to do like the bandstand where they used to go on tour and there'd be, say, Buddy Holly, Eddie Cochran, you know, Big Bopper, and, and they'd, all be, they'd all go round and tour together, you know, in, in one big bus and what have you. And, uh, <laughs> and Brian Setzer actually plays Eddie Cochran in this film. And obviously, such an influence on Brian Setzer because of the big orange Gretsch and, and what have you. And I just think, um, I think Brian Setzer probably would have preferred to have been born in the 50s. And a lot of Brian's playing is his 50s, but slightly more modern. He's got the basement amp um, and he's got a Roland uh, Space Echo, the RE301. And he uses the preamp in that to get the distortion type sound on his on his guitar. If you ever watch, um, if you look closely, if you see Brian sets alive. The, the needle on the echo unit is always in the red and the peak lights always flashing. Um, but yeah it, like I said, a bit of a curveball, not entirely 50s, but he, he 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 did um he's done loads of different things um one the, that I love it's hard to pick, but this is um again using the echo unit, you know bringing the 50s a little bit more modern if you like more to date, but he did a song called Sleepwalk or you covered a song first done by Santo and Johnny, but the way that he plays it i'll just try I'll try do a little bit of that now. So it's still got that real 50s sound, but the way he sort of uses the the echo unit and and what have you. So, yeah, like I say, curveball, but I think Brian's set. I love it. Is, I love yeah. it. I, I think that's really cool. I have to say as well, because we did that gig, didn't we?
1: The one mm. we were speaking about a couple of weeks ago, we managed to get a, a cheeky little gig in while we were allowed yes. to. And we played that song. And yeah. I, I wasn't familiar. I, I sort of know that song. You, you've heard it. You've heard those chords, but I had to look into it. And we did the Setzer version. Mm. And actually, when I went away and listened to the Setzer version, it was weird because I, I obviously spend a lot of time with you and know your guitar playing, but I wasn't that mm. familiar with Brian Setzer. But yeah. when I listened to Brian Setzer, it was all almo- I could hear so much of you, if you know what I mean. Uh. Which, which kind of. It, it showed me that obviously he has been a massive influence on you. I think that yeah, must yeah. happen a lot if you listen to a guitar player and you don't necessarily know what their influences are. You kind of you get a <laughs> mixture of it all when you hear their sound, but then when you Absolutely. go back and listen to their influences, you go,
3: Ah, I see, I see. <laughs> and so, when I was getting
1: yeah. ready for that gig and listening to that sleepwalk song, I was going, I can hear. Yeah, I can hear that, and I can hear little <laughs> little bits that I've heard you do that I know where you've got them from now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that, I'm a massive, massive Brian Setzer fan, massive Eddie Cochran fan, um, and yeah, it, it does come out in you playing it, and, and that that you know does that not say what a guitar? We used to do Brian Setzer in in the show, uh, right? Um, I think the first year that the show went out, yeah. and then we changed it. Um, do other guitar heroes, but it does prove what a guitar hero Brian Setzer is because he, you know.
1: And also ties nicely into the Christmas thing because I love Brian Setzer's, that's where I've heard him, really. Yes. i heard him do the, you know, the Brian Setzer orchestra, the Christmas specials. Yeah, It's such yeah. a cool
2: Christmassy sound. Yeah, For I me, mean, in, anyway. in, in different bands than that, that I've been in now, we do, we've done a couple of Brian Setzer songs. Um, you know, we've done Jingle Bells, Yeah, you know, and the the way that he does it. Um, I mean, we did it as a three-piece, so it's really, you know, trying to to do all the brass stabs on a guitar at the same time and, you know, have you, but it it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, I've just ordered the DVD because I used to have it and I think I've lent it to somebody and I can't remember who I've lent it to. So I've just ordered the Christmas DVD again. Oh, wow.
1: Oh, cool. I need to get
2: it. When we're allowed to, we'll have to have a... uh, We'll have to watch it all together and have some uh, some sherry and mince pies. Sounds lovely. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Sounds
1: lovely. Okay, so, well, actually, that, that opens into my last one quite nicely because I have to confess, I had two that I could not choose between. And the fact that you've gone for a guy who technically is not in the 50s, I think it allows me to, to go with these two. And maybe I'll let you guys choose who you think is a more worthwhile nomination. So if I just play you the two riffs... And I think it'll be pretty recognisable who they are. Let me, um, I need a bit of echo, a little bit of slap back. So first one would be this.
3: <laughs> of course this.
2: My name's Johnny Cash.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Second nomination. There we go. Who knows that one?
2: I think that's the most famous piece of music that nobody knows what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's heard that. and Nobody knows who did it it or what it is. I confess I'm one
1: of those
0: guys. You've heard it, though, Chris. Yeah, you know what it is. You've yeah, heard of it. course I do. Yeah, I know. It. Yeah, absolutely. OK,
1: well, maybe I'll open up by talking about that. That is, of course, Rumble by yes, Link Ray. Yeah. So that was released in March of 1958. And the reason that it is my nomination or one of my nominations is because it's regarded as one of the first records that really made use of things like Distortion. And it, he used power chords. And the whole, the whole kind of ethos behind it, rumble was a term for a street fight. And, you know, still to this day, it is the only instrumental song that was banned from American radio for fear of what it would do to the listeners. Mm. So when you're talking in terms of the birth of rock and roll, I know that, uh, if you, have you seen the film It Might Get Loud? Yes. Jimmy, yep. Jimmy Page and I have uh, it on Jack DVD, White. You've not yeah. seen it, Chris?
0: No, I've, I haven't seen that, mate.
1: Oh, man, you need to see that. It's basically a conversation a bit like this, but three legends. You've got Jimmy Page, Jack White, and The Edge, and they're just sat around with their guitars having a conversation, but it goes back to their households and studios, and they give a bit of a tour, talk about their influences. And one thing that they all come together on is Link Ray's Rumble. Um, and I think it's just. It's the energy, It like I say, it's that sound. As, as the song progresses, it's only like two minutes long, but it starts like relatively clean. It starts kind of... Like that, and it's just got that real plodding drum. But as it starts to build, halfway through, he turns on the tremolo, and you, can, you sort of hear him manipulating the tremolo. It gets faster and more intense. And he really starts digging in and so you get that overdriven guitar he's playing sort of simplified power chords and then coupled with the yeah just the the media response to it and the the way it was received there was stories that they kind of pieced it together the band pieced it together which was Link Ray and his Ray Men believe it or not they put it together i think it was like in a sound check or something and on the night it was requested four or five times over, and the audience just absolutely loved it because, again, a bit like with Chuck Berry, it was coming out in a time that was a little bit more clean-cut, a little bit more conservative and just kind of straight edge, and all of a sudden you had this guy making this horrendous sound. There was, I think there's a story as well that I read last night when I was doing some research. When he played it to a record producer and was trying to get the go-ahead to get it recorded... Um, they were listening to like a live version or something of it that they just pieced together at a rehearsal or a gig. And he actually stabbed holes in the record player speakers because he says it wasn't gritty enough. So (laughs) you can imagine it like he's there with some sort of executive and he's going, no, it's not sounding rough enough. You're not getting the full picture of how it sounds live. And he actually punctured holes in the speaker to get it to sound more torn and rough. So I just think... There's no vocals. It's literally that. It's a essentially a twelve bar kind of format in the key of E. Just plays round, gets gradually more intense, but the whole attitude of it doesn't get more rock and roll
2: than that. That's 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 really good. That, I mean, that is kind of a little bit of a curveball to be honest, because no one was expecting it that. Well, oh, well there you go. You
0: can, you can hear. Jimi Hendrix, can't you in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially with the uh, the minor, mm-hmm. or the, uh, mm-hmm. the minor. Pencil. You can hear Jimi Hendrix there, can't you? And um, yes, mate, yeah, that's a great one. Lee, love it.
1: I think the fact that it was an instrumental as well—it just there's no vocals. It, it it said, "I'm a guitar player. Here is some electric guitar, and it's not nice, clean electric guitar. It's rough." gritty in-your-face electric guitar front and center and obviously that is just an ethos that rock music in general grabbed and ran with and so it was certainly worthy of a nomination and my other one i have to just touch on it uh johnny cash for me arguably the most iconic for you know in my experience the most iconic 50s he's an he's a good example of someone who thankfully didn't die young. And so we Mm -hmm. did have generations of music. And he was, find me a man that's cooler than Johnny Cash. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just seemed to get better with age, that voice. Uh, But let's not forget that those early recordings were iconic. You had, what's the chap's name? Uh, Luther Perkins. That was the guitar player that played those. uh If you've ever seen any... Black and white footage of Johnny Cash and Luther Perkins is this really tall kind of beam pole of a man with this piercing staring eyes, and he's playing offender Fender Esquire. Again, it's the uh, it's the attitude in which this music is presented. I think that for me is the influence for rock and roll.
2: There's um, w- one of uh, one of my favourite songs by Johnny Cash. is called One Piece at a Time, and right. uh, and it's basically he works at a car plant. There's this guy. And I mean, Johnny Cash has great stories. A boy named Sue—that's another Mm. great, another great song. Um, But yeah, it's about how he 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 takes this um, this car, and you know, a little piece at a time. You know, so one, one day he'll take a wing, and then he'll take you know, uh, uh, you know, a steering wheel, and then, and he goes, listen, well, forty nine, fifty nine, fifty, and then he's going on and on about what model the car is, <laughs> and like, you know how it changed, how oh, the models changed over the years, and he's driving this thing that looks. Listen to it. Anybody yeah. out there who's listening to this podcast, go listen to that song. It's brilliant, brilliant. That but then he cool. mentioned the guitar player, and he's. As well, apparently there's an interesting story about that where uh, he had somebody who was, um, you know, like you'd think country-type play mm. and he goes, mm. I don't want no picker. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want no picker.
1: <laughs> well, well, Luther Perkins is another example of someone who tragically died young. He fell asleep with a cigarette in his hand and died oh, wow. of smoke inhalation because his flat caught on fire. Oh no! Um, yeah, yeah, but he was with Johnny from the start, and so iconic. I mean, he's playing a Fender Esquire, so literally like the f- you know the earliest example of electric guitar, one pickup. And he's said he's credited with invented the chicker, you know. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, Johnny's sound. I mean, that is so iconic. And of course, mm. they didn't have a drummer when they started as well. So Johnny would famously put like a dollar bill or a piece of paper between the strings mm. on his acoustic to get the snare drum. But well, you me, got the upright bass doing the percussion you've got the upright and, yeah. bass it's I mean they're the original rock and roll trio. I just think again it's that attitude rock and roll is all about an attitude and it's about how you approach the music and just like Chuck Berry, Johnny Cash clearly didn't want to conform, but it's interesting when you look at his his like early albums. I think his first album was Johnny Cash and his hot and blue guitar or something he was he was clean cut but clearly he wanted to break away from that and clearly he had his own ideas yeah and, and you yeah. know as we moved into the 60s famously did the Folsom Prism gigs and and it just doesn't get more iconic than hello I'm Johnny Cash
3: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So there we go. My name's Sue. How do you do? (laughs) Well, do you know what? I think that was a really good um, all-round, good first episode of our desert island riffs, if you like. I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised we didn't double up on anything either. Uh, Well, yeah. Doesn't it go to show that how many great, great, you know, superstars there were back then? You know, oh, guitar yeah. players and singers and songwriters and well, that's really one thing I was, was
0: going to mention was uh, was about singers. Um, actually, mm. I noticed we haven't uh, done a Chris's Corner yet. Is it okay? We could we can miss out Chris's Corner this time, can't we? Well,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because I was gonna. There's no Phil's rant either, so let's make these specials. No. So we we yeah, do the those, I think. Okay, yeah.
0: because okay, yeah. when i when I think of the fifties, as well as obviously all the guitar players we've mentioned, uh, who also sing like Johnny Cash as well. Mm. I'm a huge fan of guys like Little Richard, you know, just the real ballsy vocals and just so much energy. Um mm-hmm. he he, uh, would, have he s- would
1: have definitely been in there for me, but I, I just wanted to keep it guitar based because obviously he's well, he, he's piano player. Mm. But, but, you're but right, at the same time, Little Richard, I think when y-
0: when you're in a band with a singer who's really given given it everything, it surely, you know, reflects how the guitar player's going to approach the performance as well you've got Little Richard really going for it. So as a guitar player, you're really going to be like really digging in as well because the energy is really high. The drummer's, you know, really affected by the vocals performance, a uh, singer's performance. Um, oh, man. Yeah, definitely that. Luba, <laughs> uh, what a
1: tune. Uh, yeah, what Lucille. Tune. And, I, like, I, I grew up with a, I don't know if you guys know this film. There's a kid's cartoon film called The Little Toaster or The Brave Little Toaster. I don't yes. know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen it? And there was, I've, there's got it this, DVD. No, I've got it on well, DVD. There you go. <laughs> You'll know exactly what I'm on about. There's a 50s radio. One of the characters is a little radio, isn't it? It's all like household appliances that go on this mission. And there's a radio. And he just blasts out Little Richard. And I, I was probably listening to that when I was like <laughs> six, seven. And I always remember that. A fruity, oh rude, that song. And I I had no idea what it was and didn't until years later. But no. what an impact that made. So mm. let's throw a special yeah. mention, even though he's not a guitar player, to Little Richard.
0: Uh, but I think, yeah. yeah, definitely had the energy of a guitar player, didn't he? I think so. Um, he had the know, actually, Yeah, the energy of rock
1: and roll. And that's what it's yeah. all about. You look at everyone it, we've mentioned today and they had an integrity and they had just a passion and an energy that is rock and roll. That's what it's all about. It is.
0: It is absolutely
2: exactly. Exactly. Well, that's 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 really good that, and I think um, really good note to leave it on. Rock and roll is is here to stay. (laughs) It's alive and thriving in a world lockdown. (laughs) In a world lockdown. Oh no, no, yeah, so much energy and oh yeah. I'm going to go listen to some 50s LPs now. Definitely, let's do it. All right,
1: so we'll save uh, we'll save Phil's rant. You can you can do a double rant next time, maybe.
2: Oh no, this one'll probably make up for a double one, don't you worry about that. I've got a, I've got a big problem <laughs> build, about something. It. Oh, it's a big problem.
1: Oh, uh, there's a teaser. Tune in next week, folks, to find out what Phil's got a big problem with.
2: <laughs> to find out Phil's big problem. <laughs> 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 Oh, All right, okay. let's, uh,
1: let's wrap up then. Let's, uh, as usual, let's do some quick plugs. So if you want to get in touch, send us any comments, messages. Let us know who your 50s icons are. Then send them in. On Instagram, you can look at Phil Walker Guitar, Lee Troy Guitar and Chris Anthony Guitar. On Facebook, you can find us. It's Phil Walker Guitarist, Lee Williams Guitarist and Chris Anthony Guitar. And you can look, the thing that unites us all, the guitar show that we can't wait to get back out and do, Story of Guitar Heroes on Instagram, Facebook. You've got the website. It's www.storyofguitarheroes.com. And of course, you've got the YouTube as well. Look for Phil Walker, guitarist. Very good. There we go, Chaps. Another one in the bag. Splendid,
2: splendid. splendid.
1: I really enjoyed that one, guys.
2: Yeah, I did. I did.
1: I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process (laughs) of looking into this stuff. Isn't it just fun to just like get into music and just... Yeah. You know, do, I, last night I was up till, I don't know, it was, it was gone midnight and I was just wading through black and white videos of Johnny Cash and Chuck Berry, Little Richard. It was just, uh, I love going down these rabbit holes. So yeah. thank you all for listening and we hope you've enjoyed this. Absolutely.
0: See you next week. Bye.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Phil has left the building. Uh-huh.